Welcome to Biohack Your Beauty. I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp, and I'm here to help you find the most powerful beauty biohacks, nutrition principles, lifestyle habits, and spiritual practices for optimal well-being. My podcast offers tools to help you discover how to exude inner and outer beauty, how to design a life of deep sensuality, joyful relationships, divine adventures, and freedom from disease. Most of all, I created this podcast to join you in co-creating a better world by standing in our own power and emanating our own authentic beauty. Let's biohack the mind, body, and soul, and let's do it together. Tara Mackey is the founder and CEO of The Organic Life, a successful holistic and sustainable living platform, and is a widely recognized social media personality. You probably follow her on Instagram, and if you don't, you should. She founded the organic beauty company Genetics Skincare and is the best-selling author of Cured by Nature and Wild Habits. When Tara wrote back confirming she would be on my show, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I had been reading her blog, The Organic Life, for some time, and I already felt very connected to her. And I think this might be because Tara shares so much of herself with the world. She has a dream of being a force of positive change, and that she is. You see, Tara has quite a story. She was born with drugs in her body, and her mother overdosed in front of her time and time again before Tara was even four years old. She was taken in by her grandparents and lived with them, still experiencing the emotional roller coaster of codependency and trauma that came with her mother's addiction and her coming and going in and out of her life. At age 13, Tara was taken to a psychiatrist for an evaluation that lasted about five minutes and resulted in a prescription for a drug called lithium. This was just the beginning of Tara's life in a haze of pharmaceutical pills. By age 24, she was on 14 different prescription drugs and had reached the point of suicide. Thankfully, Tara survived. She is here now to tell you the story of how she successfully quit all drugs, how she healed her chronic illnesses, and what helped her change her habits and her lifestyle. Her experiences and methods are so powerful, and she teaches this wild method to people across the world who want to heal from the inside out, find happiness, and discover their true selves. In this episode, we talk about how to practice the wild method to enhance your inner and outer beauty and implement new habits, release unhealthy ones, and dare to dream big. Before we start the show, I want to share about this really beautiful blend of herbs that I've been using and loving from Lost Empire Herbs. And I thought this would be a really good time to mention it because it does so much to help me balance my hormones. So this formula is called the Athena Women's Formula, and it combines the most powerful women's herbs from Chinese medicine and the most powerful herbs from Ayurvedic medicine, and then adds other herbs that beautify the skin, balance metabolism, and support her health and growth. It also helps to lower cortisol, your stress hormone, And we all know that's a huge beauty biohack. You can find this formula at lostempireherbs.com. All right, I know you're so ready for this 
epic interview. So without further ado, Tara Mackey. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yay, you're a busy bee. How are you finding (laughs) time for all of the amazing things you're doing? I make time for what's important. That's awesome. That's a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) And everything's important right now. Yes. Yeah, but you've, you've got a lot of cool stuff going on, so I'm excited to talk about it. But I would like to start by talking a little bit about where your story begins, just to give listeners a little background on you and your fascinating history. Yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, I, I, this time seven years ago, I was coming off of 14 pharmaceutical drugs, cold turkey. Um, many of which I'd been on for over a decade already. I was born on drugs. My mother did drugs when she was pregnant with me and throughout my childhood. So it was sort of a lifestyle that I had grown up learning was normal. And um, I was put on my first drug after watching my mom relapse for the second time at um, 13 years old. And uh, this was after my grandparents had gotten custody of me. I had spent a lot of my life away from her. And then kind of this situation culminated and um, came to a breaking point. And then she ended up relapsing in front of me again. And so just weeks later, I was put on my first drug, um, which was a mood stabilizer called lithium. And I received my first diagnosis, which was bipolar disorder. And the next year, I I received another diagnosis for ADHD and was put on a drug called methadate. Then I was taken off the mictal, put on a, or taken off lithium, put on a drug called the mictal, um, which I stayed on for eight and a half years. But while I was on the mictal, I was also put on painkillers, uh, anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants, uh, other mood stabilizers, anti-inflammatory drugs, birth control, acne medication. You name it, I've probably taken it. Um, I mean, they've invented a lot of drugs since I've come off. But uh, <laughs> but as far as types of drugs, I feel like I've taken just about everything. Uh, and, you know, I've always been kind of tiny. And so um, in 2011, I ended up going from 12 drugs to 14 different medications. Um, I was put on Valium and Xanax after my best friend took her life. And then about two months after her funeral, I attempted to take my own life and that failed. And in that moment, I had the divine realization, honestly, that, you know, what I had been doing for 24 years had not worked ever. Um, and I needed to do something differently. And so with that in mind, um, not only did I come to the realization that, you know, what I had just done was a mistake, what a lot of things I had done in my life were mistakes, but I wasn't a mistake and I wasn't broken. I was divine, right? I was perfect and wonderful inside. I just hadn't learned how to be the best version of myself, right? I've been giving my power away to all these other things, to pills and people and relationships and friendships and my family and drama and just things that were never going to add up to bringing me happiness. And so in that moment, I really realized when I had to face the toxicities in my life, 
I mean, pharmaceutical medication was the number one toxic thing that had followed me around my whole entire life. Um, and so that's when I decided to come off my drugs cold turkey um, in March of 2011. So I started that journey um, a few months before I turned 25. And I'm so grateful every single day that I, I did that because I really don't think I would be here um, I mean, I was in the hospital every single month for septic organ infections. Like wow. I was passing out at work. I was like, you know, having crazy. I mean, I went through a lot going through withdrawing off the drugs as well, but being on them was killing me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm every day I wake up healthy. I'm very glad I made this decision because I don't regardless of whether it was going to be another suicide attempt or what, like, I, I really don't think I would be here today. Wow. And so you went cold turkey. What was that like? Oh, boy. I do not advise it. Oh, Uh, my God. Nobody do it. Put it in your show notes. Like, seriously. (laughs) I mean, no, seriously. Like, no, you know, don't do this to yourself because it's not it's 100 percent not worth it. But for me, I tried to do it other ways. Right. I tried to see doctors and tell them I wanted to come off my drugs. But what I had been diagnosed with, if you're diagnosed as bipolar or schizophrenic, or um, they feel like you really have a serious mental illness, especially if you've been diagnosed as a kid. So now you carry this mental illness with you throughout your whole life without fighting it ever. Um, What they tell you is that wanting to come off your drugs is a symptom of your illness. And often they'll try to put you on more or different drugs. And so like there was no, I, I couldn't go to a doctor and say, I want to come off this. Cause even if they, their solution was psych ward mm-hmm. and psych ward means I sign my life away and I'm in there until you feel like I'm better. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and that can involve going on more or different drugs or whatever. And, and those situations aren't, I knew being in a hospital room, listening to other people screaming and having my rights taken away and not being able to tie my own shoelaces and things were probably not going to help me as much as really laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, throwing up into a garbage can, doing whatever I had to do, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. with my dog mm-hmm. um, and going through it and, and really calling a doctor or a friend if I really felt like I needed somebody. But I don't recommend it. I mean, they doctors are way more willing to work with people now than they were, you know, back when I did it. So I I would recommend just really finding, um, and there are a lot more resources now for doctors who will help you and alternative ways to, to, um, come off your drugs. And they're never going to tell you to do it cold Turkey. I Mm -hmm. should have never done it that way, regardless of if I wanted to get better tomorrow, you know, it wasn't, it's never going to be a quick fix. I paid for coming off of them. Um, that way, because I went through withdrawal for three years. And if I had just gone to a hospital, I could have maybe gotten it taken care of in two weeks to three months. You know what I mean? Like I went through withdrawal for three years because I did it the wrong way. And so if you really want a quick fix, uh, do it the right way and don't come over, don't come off them overnight. Um, but it was horrendous. I had brain zaps and, um, I was throwing up like 20 times a day and like, I, I had no control over my body and I was weak and, I had to quit my job. And, but honestly, like that same week that I started going through it, I had to, it forced me to find some of the first natural alternatives that I found to replace everything. I'd not only everything I'd been on drugs for, cause I did 
not that I needed any painkillers, but I was in pain, right? So I needed to still deal with things like that, that were like, okay, maybe I'm not mentally ill, but I definitely wake up in pain every single day, um, which is probably contributing to anxiety and depression and all that other stuff. So let me figure out how to deal with this. And then waking up sick every day and knowing, going to a doctor and having a doctor give you like my Lanta or something that's like, okay, I have to drink something green and that's going to help me stop throwing up. Mm-hmm. Like the fourth time you throw up the green stuff, you start to realize you got to find something else. Right. So it actually took me in the direction of opening myself up to wanting to find natural alternatives to these things to make myself healthy. And then once I opened my mind up, those things started really falling into place and, um, coming into my life in ways that I had, that had eluded me for many, many years. Did you ever have times? I mean, that's a really long time, three years. (laughs) Uh, I mean, (laughs) oh my God. So like, did you have times where you felt like hopeless or like you wanted to give up? All the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I remember the last time I I wanted to give up was, um, I, I wrote about this incident in my first book, Cured by Nature, um, the last time I thought about going back. So what I did, what most, um, people who don't realize they're drug addicts do is, um, they, like I said, okay, I'm going to call, go cold turkey off these drugs. But what I did with the drugs was I put them under my bathroom cabinet. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you still have them there just in case. Mm-hmm. And so I remember the last time, um, I thought about really giving up and giving in was when I, I was so bad and I hadn't quit my job yet. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to go to work. It's like four in the morning. I got to go to work in like two hours. I've been throwing up all night. I haven't slept. I haven't closed my eyes once. Cause I'm so afraid of throwing up in my sleep and like choking up my own vomit. You know what I mean? Like I was so anxious and I, I went into the bathroom and I opened up the bag and I, frantically searched for the Lamictal, which I knew was giving me the worst withdrawal symptoms because I tried to come off of it before. And it was like, woo, girl, like colors mm-hmm. changed, like brain zaps. I'd be driving to work. I didn't know where I was. Like, oh, my God, oh like my crazy. God. So I knew the worst of it was coming from the Lamictal. So I remember finding the bottle and opening the bottle. And and I'll never even forget what it looked like. It was these there are these blue diamond shaped pills. And I remember putting four of them in my hand and they have like the dust on them, you know? And they're like, I had filled up a glass of tap water and I was like about to take them. And I just realized in that moment, like I couldn't go back. Like Mm -hmm. I'd come so far or it would probably been a month maybe. And I'd already come so far. And I was like, you know what, if I do this now, though, I'm going to be back here to this moment one day, because I do want to come off this stuff. And I don't want this moment to be a year from now or two years from now or 10 years from now. Like it's right now. I have the opportunity right now to never do it again. And I put them back in the garbage bag and I twisted the top and I remember I was so sick and like sweating and like, like, Oh my God. And I just dragged the garbage bag outside and I left it on the curb and I've never taken a single solitary pharmaceutical drug since then, or thought about taking one. Like that was the moment for me of like, I'm done. I'm complete. I've given up. Like 
I can't give my life up to this stuff anymore. I have to give it up to something else. Mm -hmm. I have to give it up to something that's actually going to help me because this is just masking whatever. Like even the reason I wanted to take it then was just short term fix of being able to wake up in the morning. Like who cares about waking up in the morning when you have the rest of your life to live? You know what I mean? It's like, just take the day off. I'm sure I had to take that day off and just that was when I started taking more days off and I was like, I gotta just quit my job. Like Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't work like this. I can't, um, do anything I'm supposed to do. I can't see friends. I can't read. I can't do anything. And so I had a lot of alone time to just think about, um, my life. And I, I realized in that alone time that it was just all choices. Mm -hmm. It was all these choices I'd made that were like terrible because, I really didn't know any better. And so if I could just start making better choices, those would turn into better actions and those would turn into better habits and that would turn into a better life. Do you think that alone time was actually really good in a way? Because I think a lot of people, they're scared to be alone. It's hard for them to be alone. It was, it was the best thing. I wish I had more of it now. You know, it's weird too, because especially like what I do, like if you need to show up every day and help other, like if your goal is to help other people or even to help yourself, like you need that alone time. How are you going to help yourself when you're just like uh, trying to escape all the time? You know, stimulation is just like escape. It's all just escapism. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but there's ways to stimulate ourselves that are really have profound impacts like being creative and making things and and talking to friends and like just getting outside and going for a walk and doing things that like they're stimulating but they're not distracting they're bringing us back to who we truly are they're not about running away from who we truly are and so once I realized though that yeah most like I threw out six TVs (laughs) (laughs) I like I've and I have not had cable since then it's just there's things that when I realized why I had been doing it you just really can't go back to Mm -hmm. like how can I watch the real housewives like Mm -hmm. when there's so much important shit to do or go on Instagram like a thousand times a day (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Because that's a thing, too. You know, I think that's such a big distraction. And I'm guilty of it, too, being on Instagram. And it's like you you get so I think it's like an obsessive thing in a way, like you're just constantly checking your phone and stuff like that. And it is you're right. It's stimulation that you're really just kind of escaping whatever you could be doing or or maybe maybe even like you actually you say this in the book, which is avoiding things that are problems because you're kind of avoiding that personal growth that you might need to do. Yeah. Yeah. We all have resistance. It's easier to say, I don't know any better, right? Like how can, you know, how can you, you can't do better unless you know better. And so I think it's easier for a lot of people to just go like, Oh, that's not up to me or, or that's not in my power or whatever. When everything is in our power and the things that aren't are just lessons to like, okay, how can you be in a place where something like this is, is in your control or has a place in your life that puts you in control again, like even illness or cancer or death or things like, like losing somebody. I mean, those, not the next day, not at their funeral, not, you know what I mean? But, but eventually those things have places in our lives, um, that if we give them enough time really can be so powerful and deep and help so many people that it's like, 
but you don't see that unless you give yourself the time. And like, we were talking about even the alone time to like really delve in. I mean, there's a reason I haven't had kids yet. It's like, it's not because I don't want to have kids. It's because I want to put in the work for me before I, because once I bring another human being into the world, it's like, okay, that's where all my time and attention goes. I don't have alone time anymore. And like, I want to be that, like a really good mom. I want to be a a mom that put in all the work to be a good person so that I can be a good mother. Like it's about, um, and I'm not saying if you don't do that, you're not a good mother or whatever, but like, just for me personally, I already have two dogs and that's like, Oh my God, it's so much work. (laughs) Something like this. I gotta like, I want to come walk them and stuff. I don't want them barking in the middle of our interview. Like there's Mm -hmm. just things where there's compromises and I don't, I'm, I'm in a place right now where I need to help so many other people that I, I can't like bring a child mm-hmm. into yeah. the world. No, I, I get it. I totally another have person that. to mm-hmm. help yeah. <laughs> already mm-hmm. like trying to do that on a, on another scale. And so, um, I don't know. That's just like one example of, of something that I feel like I need to give myself time before I'm at the place to, to really take on, but there's other things, there's, there's career things. And I feel like we all have, um, resistance, right? Like we're not all doing, even Oprah is not spending a hundred percent of her time being the best Oprah she can be. You know what I mean? We're all like, we all have lazy days and, and, um, we all have resistance and and that's okay. It's the, it's a journey. It's not, we're never going to wake up one day and be like, okay, we're done with self-improvement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then you're done, really. Then, then you know, nothing more you know, to do. Like, why? That's not fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I want to touch on that, too, because, you know, throughout your detox process, you um, in the book, you talk about detoxing people from your life who are toxic. So how do you determine if someone is is toxic in your life? So I... So the book is called Wild Habits, and I talk about the wild method, right? And I I really feel like using the wild method in this case is really um, paramount to discovering who in your life is not serving you or not helping you be the best person you can be. So WILD is an acronym. So it stands for willingness, intuition, love, and discipline. So I feel like you need to be willing to recognize how the people in your life make you feel, right? Like how do you really feel when you're around certain people and do you feel like you deserve better? You know what I mean? Like are who in your life makes you feel the best um, and use your intuition. The next step being intuition to discover that, like how, who makes you laugh the most? Like, when do you feel the best? Who do you have like belly laughs with? Who do you love spending time around? Who makes you a better person? Who not only makes you proud of what you're doing today, but encourages you to be a, the better version of yourself. Right. And then you need to use the love, really the self-love to make the decision of like, okay, there's people I have to probably step away from who are not encouraging me to be the best version of myself. And then there's people that I really should spend more time on and more time with. Or even if you don't have any of those people in your life, I'm sure you follow somebody or you know someone through a friend who you want to be friends with or wish those people were in your life. Like that's the time to really get clear on you know, you, I've made my mentors, some of my best friends, like people whose books I read when I first started my journey are some of my best friends today. And I a hundred percent attribute this to the method of just like accepting that I could have those kinds of people in my life until 
they're literally on my speed dial. You know what yeah. I mean? And then the discipline to do that over and over and over again, not one day or one day of the week or for an hour, like do it every single day, show up for yours. Every time you interact with somebody, assess how you feel when you walk away from that situation. Like what parts of the conversations do you end up thinking about later? What parts get into your mind? Because we are the people we spend the most time around, you know, like I know it's a, it's an old adage, but like the more you think about it, it's so true because you take on their habits and their mindset and their language. And that's it. That's all you are is what you spend time around and what you, you allow into your life. And so using the method to kind of assess for yourself, who is, who in your life is, is inspiring you and helping you. And if your tribe is kicking ass and and like makes you want to be the best version of yourself every single day and is encouraging you, or if they're kind of just like, they just want to do whatever and they kind of waste time and they're not like, you know, living at their highest selves, they don't have to be super toxic either, but it's just sometimes there's people you might want to pull away from and allow other different kinds of people into your life. Cause that's flow. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if you're not, if your friendships aren't growing and changing and you're not bettering each other and people aren't coming into the circle, like that's stagnation, you know, and yeah. it's comfortable, but it's not going to help us grow. Right. Right. And there's, I think a lot of people that are codependent. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have a person in their life who maybe needs emotional support or maybe they're manipulative. And so it's almost like you have to kind of make a decision to step away from that person, even if you feel like they depend on you, because, you know, they could be really pulling you back or keeping you in that place. Totally. And manipulative people are really, and toxic people are really manipulative and manipulative people are really good at making you feel like, you know, if you're not in their life, they don't know what to do. But you have to remind yourself that like, there was probably a point where you weren't in each other's lives, and they were fine. So mm-hmm. and they'll be okay. And, and you can step by, you know, and the more somebody makes you feel guilty about not showing up for yourself, the more you can confirm for yourself that they probably shouldn't be in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they're making you feel guilty for doing the things that make you the best version of yourself, then that is not the person you need to have right now. And also they'll learn, they may learn the lesson of, Hey, maybe I shouldn't treat people like shit because they'll step away from my life (laughs) if I continue to do that. But if you don't step away, they'll never learn that like, that's not acceptable behavior. And if you want, um, you know, if you want things to be positive, you just don't treat people like that. But I think there's a lot of codependency in life and, and it's seen more as, more normal than maybe it even really should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like what we see on TV and it's what all the movies are about. And it's like the bachelor is literally one person dating 25 other. Like that, that's not yeah, normal. Wild, like, right? I saw that, that was the premise of that show. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is not, there's no way you could actually realize split your time between yourself and 25 other people you're supposed to be getting to know and dating. This is totally. crazy. Like yeah. what? what is this? But I feel like we've normalized it in the culture and codependency. And then, so now people don't know like what's really supposed to be normal anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just normal is what makes you feel good. Yeah. And like centering your life around someone else can say from personal experience, like 
it takes you away from all of your own goals and all of your own dreams. And so, but I, it's very romanticized in Hollywood and is to just, you know, that true love and that person completes me and, you know, my other half and all of that. So. Yeah. But then think about the, the people playing those people, their real lives, like actors and actresses have the most contentious relationships because they're always working and they're always on the road and their schedules never match up and they mm-hmm. always get divorced. And it's like, look behind the like script it really even the people playing the roles have probably not had the easiest relationships in their life because that is not how life works yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely so let's say someone wants to implement the wild method what would be the first step to doing that Ooh. Um, I feel like recognizing what in your life is most really not serving, what habits you're indulging in that are not um, propelling your life forward. I give like three pages of examples in the book, and I think there's some that people are more familiar with, and there's some that people are like, whoa, like I wouldn't even think about that as a bad habit, you know, like procrastination, for example, or even like gossip, like I feel like people don't even realize they're gossiping about each other. Oh, it's <laughs> so true. It's... They're like, do you realize that what you just said yeah. is a hundred percent like conjecture about another human uh-huh. being? It's kind of like a hobby for people yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, true. And it's all your opinion. Oh, I appreciate, you know, I've taken it as your opinion, but I feel like other people who are maybe a little less self-aware might take that as fact. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I, I try to be very careful when I'm when I'm talking about others because, I don't know, it is really easy to get caught up in just, like, judgment. It's just judgment, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like sharing judgment. Um, and I think even things like breaking promises to yourself, like, because we all kind of, when we get busy or whatever, like, we all let things kind of slip and you know those are habits that really if they add up over time it's 10 years later and you wonder why that book's not done yet and it's like "Mm." yeah (laughs) because you've been breaking the promise of working on the book with yourself every single day for 10 years Mm -hmm. like that's why it's not done (laughs) yeah so these little things I think really add up yeah. And one of the things you talk about um, in the book, too, is neuroplasticity. So rewiring the brain. And I love that idea because I think a lot of people have that at their disposal. But, you know, we're not aware that we have this power to change. We think we're kind of like stuck with what we've got. Um, so do you think that that's a really big component of the wild method is kind of that um, rewiring of the brain? And how would you how would you implement, um, the concept of, how would you use neuroplasticity to implement the wild method? Okay. So that's a really good question. So I love neuroplasticity because one in all my years, like getting medicated and going to doctors and everything, nobody ever mentioned this to me, right? If in fact, it was exactly in my indoctrination growing up, um, Catholic and everything was exactly kind of the opposite of like, everything is set in stone. This is just how things are. Nothing you're, you can't change. People can't change. You can't change your mind when really science says the opposite, right? So when we track, when PT, PT scans track, um, memories and thoughts and sensations in the brain, what they thought was the most interesting is that it doesn't, the brain doesn't just light up in one part. If you smell a flower and it reminds you of your childhood, for example, it lights up in different parts of your brain. And so 
And when somebody changes and they smell that flower 10 years later, it lights up in even different parts of your brain, right? And so I feel like just that alone is proof that we can take these everyday experiences and convert them to whatever meaning we want to ascribe to them. I mean, there's some things that are always going to remind us of something, but there are others that I feel like we definitely have the power to change. For example, even when we were just talking about watching television, um, you know, if you've watched television or a movie in the last week or, or month, like you've used neuroplasticity, you've used your brain's ability to extend beyond reality to accept that whatever you're watching is real in that moment, right? You feel emotions when you watch a movie, like you cry, you get angry for people, you feel triumphant at their successes. Like that's neuroplasticity at work. Every single time you're learning or you're opening your brain that way, you're learning something new about what your brain can do. And the way we can use the same exact thing in our life is instead of using it to feel for fictional characters in a movie or whatever, I mean, we can do that for our own lives. Like you can sit in a meditation for an hour and bring yourself exactly to a place in life that you want to be and you want to see yourself at and really go there and indulge in it and cry if it makes you cry and smile if it makes you smile and go through the motions and the people who you want to be there and, and really use that to manifest things into your life. And don't get disappointed if it doesn't happen the next day, you know, keep doing it because I've done it for things. Even like every time I do an interview, I'm tripped out because for years, this is like the exercise that I use, right? Is I want to get to a point where I'm making things that people want to ask me questions about. Like, I just want to get asked all the questions about all the things so that I can help all the people. And like every time it happens, it's amazing to me because I imagined it first, right? And so many of the things in my life have happened that way where I, I imagined them into existence. And I know if we can do this with, with little things, and even when we watch shows, I mean, they're, they're entertainment and they're a distraction, but in a way they're really beautiful because everything is super edited and really like, there's nothing you're going to watch. That's a hundred percent totally stripped down, right? Like everything's scripted and edited and colored and there's so many people involved and, and like, it, there's a beauty to it. That's a creative beauty in that humans are able to do all of these things and bring magic and bring beauty to like cinema and things like that. But but we are all capable of doing that to our own lives. Like why do it in a fictional way when you can do it for yourself and other people in reality? And so that's, that's the power neuroplasticity really has in our life and, and how you can use, you know, the wild method to, to get there is just to be willing to accept that you've already come so far, right? Like you couldn't read my book when you were two years old but you can read it now, you know, you couldn't understand this conversation maybe 15 or 20 years ago, but you get it today. Like there's things that um, we've just, our brains have learned and adapted over time for every single one of us. And so remembering that and really giving yourself credit for how far you've already come is step number one. And then using your intuition to figure out where you want to go next, what you want to bring this power to and what you want to manifest, and then just the self-love to do it, to really sit in gratitude and sit in a meditation and manifest your your destiny, and then to do that every single day until it starts happening for you. Like, 
That's how you can use your own brain to your advantage. Do you think it gets easier if you continue practicing? Do you think that's like a muscle that you build? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. It's totally a muscle. And your imagination is a muscle, right? And that's why we lose it when we get older, because we're taught to ignore it more and more. Um, But it's so it's the most important, one of the most important muscles we have, for sure, is our, our mental fitness muscles. And that's a huge part of it. Um, so you do have a whole chapter about meditation. Um, I think for a lot of people, meditation is scary or it feels really overwhelming and they don't really know how to do it or if they're doing it right. Um, Mm -hmm. so what would you say to someone who has those kind of feelings about meditation? I would focus on the advantages, right? So like with everything, like I didn't grow up doing any of this stuff. Like I went to Catholic school, like I wasn't taught how to meditate or drink green juice or Mm -hmm. use my imagination to my advantage or any of this stuff. Like I just did it and then it worked and I was like, oh, well, how could I ever go back when I know this works now? You know what I mean? And so I feel like, um, and I have a, I have a prompt in the book about listing your meditation advantages and stuff, but I also give some examples, which is just like, it feels good. Like just start doing it because you'll feel really proud of yourself and you'll be able to think more clearly and you'll, you know, you'll, you're on your way to becoming someone who's happier and healthier and and better able to serve other people. And so for me, there's so many different forms of it. Like taking a hike is meditation, you know, like there's singing in my kitchen at six o'clock in the morning is meditation. Like there's so many different forms of it that it doesn't have to be like I shared a post on my Instagram a few weeks ago of just you know the, the my three different forms of meditation and one was me on the beach just like doing a handstand and one's you know in lotus position and the other is taking a bath like there's different forms of it depending on what your body needs in that moment I mean if doing lotus position puts you in pain don't fucking do that mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? totally do something else but like give yourself the time to to experience the benefits because if we learn how to become more in touch with the present moment we automatically feel more healthy and vibrant and alive and that's what the point of meditation is is to empower yourself because it places value on your body and it enriches the day-to-day experiences you have with yourself and others so I can't think of a better way to really connect yourself to who you truly are than to use your awareness and that's what meditation is it's a way to increase your awareness so that your ability to fight things that we were talking about, like unwanted thoughts or procrastination or like your ability to fight those things automatically, you get more control. Like it it just automatically, I mean, talk about a muscle, the more you meditate, the easier it is to do pretty much anything. I mean, like I'll, I mean, I'll be the first person to say it, like you can do it too much because you get to the point where you're like, this is all I want to do because like, I don't want, I don't want to work. I just want to meditate all the time. Like who needs to, you know, cause you get to this point where you're like, who needs stuff and money and uh-huh. you know, but then it's like, Oh wait, shit, I do. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> not a monk. <laughs> I actually need to pay rent. Um, um, <laughs> but like, I get why monks just get there and they're like, fuck it. I'm just going to move to the mountains and who needs, you know, yeah. who needs anything else like you can get to the point where where it's like very self-sustaining um and you need less sleep and and you understand things more and your brain's less cloudy and things get processed more easily I mean 
it helps our neuroplasticity as well. It helps our brain connection. I mean, there's so many amazing advantages and I can't purport to tell you what it's going to do for your life, but I mean, it's done everything for me. I mean, my manifestation meditations, like we've talked about, have literally come true, which is so crazy every single time. And then my silent meditations are the parts where like, I just get to connect with myself and then you know, I've done ones that were whole chapters of my books have come to me and stuff like there's just once you give yourself that time, it's incredible. Like, that's when I realized that the first time I meditated, literally the first time I realized where my anxiety was coming from. And it wasn't that I had anxiety. I didn't have an anxiety disorder. I didn't know how to breathe. Mm. I was trying to breathe while I was meditating. And like my breathing, my normal breathing was completely panicked. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, Oh, well, no wonder I have panic attacks all the time. I don't know how to breathe. Yeah. Like I'm literally, and I, I had learned how to breathe correctly from singing and doing voice lessons growing up, but I'd never applied it to my day-to-day life. I'd only done it right before an audition or right before a show or when I was at a voice lesson. And like, I'd never thought that like, oh, maybe if I breathe through my nose into my diaphragm and then breathe out my mouth, normally I will be a more calm, loving, healthy individual. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It worked. Like, but how trippy, you know what I mean? And that was the first time I meditated. And that's why I was like, okay, I think there's something Something to it. it. Something to it. (laughs) That's really cool, though, because I think a huge component of that is the breath. Like, it's such a simple thing. We breathe without thinking, but, like, there is such a power in breath work. Mm-hmm. And who, and that's that's another, I mean, if you come to no other realization when you're meditating, it's who's been breathing for me mm-hmm. this whole time? Who has been breathing? Because I have not consciously been breathing. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not until you start focusing on your breath for the first time in your life that you realize You've never focused on your breath your whole life. <laughs> Something's been breathing for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. Awareness. Oh, well, now what? <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's pretty incredible too when you become a when you become more aware. You just yeah. are realizing. Yeah, and I think you're right because that is the meditative part that leads you to all of these discoveries, like self-discovery and clarity and maybe you're connecting to your higher power, whatever that is. Oh yeah. It's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. It's going to do all kinds of I mean, if you haven't started yet, I, I just recommend if you take nothing else away from this, thing, <laughs> just get a little meditation spot today and sit your butt down. Do you, do you tell people like a certain amount of time like five minutes with 15 minutes you know I'd like to tell people to try to start at five nothing too daunting and then you just work your way up you do 15 next time and then 30 and then mm-hmm. maybe one day you'll be able to do you know 60 minutes because you finally have an hour to relax like yeah I understand it's not easy to find the time but like I think and don't I think it's it's good to give yourself a yeah, like times to work up to for various reasons, but mostly because you don't want it to seem too daunting the first time. You don't want to you don't want to get disappointed in yourself because you couldn't do an hour the first time you tried to do it. Like it's a practice. We call meditation a practice because that's you practice it every single time you do it. So it's not like just start like you would start anything. I mean, you're not going to be able to play Beethoven's fifth like the first time you turn a keyboard on you know or sit down at a piano like it's Mm -hmm. just not how it works I mean if you reach enlightenment the first time you meditate like please tell me because I want to talk to you (laughs) (laughs) me too me too (laughs) awesome and so 
Let's talk a little bit about nutrition and physical health. Like what does that, um, what role does that play in changing one's habits? So I feel like every, you know, I, well, I know everything is connected. I know from my own personal experience and I know from, you know, watching it really work and change for other people. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that what you put into your body is, 50, really 50% of it because the mind body connection is so real. I can't say anything is a hundred percent, but what you're putting into your body is, is fueling how your mind works. And then the thoughts you're thinking of what you're allowing into your mind is going to, is going to influence what you choose to eat and the supplements you choose to take, or if you choose to take any supplements or if you want to eat healthy. So I think it, it is all really connected and it's very individual. Like in the book, I talk about how I don't recommend a certain diet for instance, but like I go through what I do every day just in case people are curious. And I don't know, our personal habits are the most important actions we can take towards self-improvement. And I think what we're choosing to put in and on our bodies are some of the, you know, most important personal habits because we have to choose that every single day. I mean, you've got to eat something, right? So I think being mindful about what you're eating or how much exercise you're getting or how much time you're spending outdoors um, that affects you. I mean, I can tell you I'm a completely different person if I get out in the morning on a hike versus if I don't. It doesn't mean I'm a grumpy or a worse person or whatever. Just my mind's in a completely different place because I haven't gotten outdoors. I haven't moved my body. I haven't given myself that flow connection to the earth and um, my brain. And and I don't know. I'm just You're just going to do everything differently. Like if you pick up your phone first thing in the morning versus if you wait a few hours or whatever, it's just it puts your mind in the state to constantly be stimulated in this one certain way. Mm-hmm. Do you pick up your phone first thing in the morning? Or are you like good about like waiting? I'm pretty good about waiting. Yeah. yeah. I, I probably it's funny because I am really busy. And so I, I really sh- people get annoyed with me, but I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. You but, know, you know, I, I need that like hour. Or so in the morning, cause if not like fucking it's 15 minutes later and I'm still scrolling or I'm reading emails or I'm mm-hmm. deleting emails or it's just like, Oh my God, I can't. Yeah. Like I need the, I need the time in the morning. I think everyone should take, I definitely take an hour, a full hour before I go to bed at least every single night of no like phone or computer stimulation. And then I always try to read or if I'm just exhausted, I'll just go straight to bed. But, um, but in the morning I try to give myself as much time as humanly possible. You know, I'll check the time somewhere else on the stove or something. Cause I just, I need it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hang on to that as long as I possibly can. <laughs> no, I think that's really good. And setting those boundaries, like it's something, you know, that's related to neuroplasticity too, because it's like that instant gratification that people like, well, I mean, you know, me included, like you want something now, you want that feeling now or whatever. And so it's really, I think it takes practice to not be on your phone. I mean, that's really hard for a lot of us. Like, unless you're Kylie Jenner, like, it's probably pretty disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know matter how many likes I get, I always kind of want more. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Unless you're Kylie Jenner. Like, I highly doubt. I bet Kylie wants more, too. Like, it's just like, no matter what, you, you have to admit to yourself at some point that it's a little disappointing, regardless of what's in there you know what I mean even when you get like very exciting emails and opportunities and things they're always just like the first step it's not like 
hey, want to get lunch with Oprah in an hour? Totally. <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, maybe if you're Gail. Maybe if maybe you're Gail. I'd be excited to have lunch with Gail, honestly. <laughs> Or Stedman, for that matter. Yeah, like, seriously. I got some questions. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, like, it's, you know, it might be, um, if it's urgent, like, you, you know, someone will, it's never that urgent. And, like, it's just, you know, like, and it's also never really that, like, what's more exciting for me is, like, taking that walk or taking that time or spending the time with the dogs. And if you do have kids, like, spending the time with your kids or, like that's going to be way more important to you. I was tripping out the other day. I was watching um, some old home videos with a friend from like the late 80s, early 90s. And it's just so, it's kind of beautiful. It's like the last era where like people aren't distracted by mm-hmm. like a ton of shit. Like there's like a t- maybe a TV on in the background but like, yeah, people are really spending time with their kids and they're like, really, the kids are just like happy to play in a cardboard box. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you're like, oh, will this, will it ever be like this again? Yeah. Like, I don't think it ever, I've never, it's weird how it's become so okay totally. for parents to be distracted all the time because watching those home videos, I was like, what like if somebody just started randomly reading a book or looking at some other shit and ignoring their kid like it would have been like hey dude what are you doing totally. <laughs> like, hello yeah your kid's here <laughs> yeah or even like filming um, I don't know if everything wrong with that. I'm sure people had their own distractions back in the day but yeah. like I don't know it's just become such a cultural norm that now there was something so weird about it. Cause I almost, I mean, I was alive then and I, you forget mm-hmm. that it, people were like slower and more deliberate and things were more like just simple. And like, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. It was only like 25 years ago, but you're like, it's just become a completely different culture in such a short period of time. And I don't know how much it's serving us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's changed our brains a lot too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You mentioned what you put on your skin is important. And I know you have a skincare line, and I really wanted to really quickly talk about that a little bit. What inspired you to make a skincare line? So I've been writing about organic skincare for for seven years, basically since I started my blog in um, uh, late 2011, right, right when my journey started. And I've seen the industry grow like crazy, which is awesome. And I have so many friends who have incredible skincare brands. And, you know, for a really long time, I was just like, there's nothing I can possibly add to this market. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no way, but I, but then honestly, so I tried to get, I had really bad bags under my eyes and like nothing, nothing, nothing worked. And I also had psoriasis on my arms and legs and like nothing was working after years and years of even diets and stuff. It would come back in the summer. Like if I just, if it was really humid and I shaved basically. And so, um, and I went through my beauty cabinet and I had like hundreds of different brands from over the years. And I looked through every single one and I realized that, um, they all contained essential oils, which is are great short term, but can be really, really irritating long term. And I've been using some of them, you know, some of these brands for many years. And so I developed um, three different skincare products for myself first, um, one for the bags under my eyes, one for acne and one for my psoriasis. 
um, that were totally scent-free and essential oil-free. So they still have 26 active ingredients. Every single one of them is totally natural and organic. Um, but there's no essential oil, so there's no irritation of the skin. And I also noticed that, you know, I do a lot of, I'm a former biologist and many of my books are, both my books are science-based. And, um, I talk a lot about melatonin in both my books as not only a great sleep agent, but an anti-aging agent, um, because they've used it in studies and literally, you know, not only shown that, that the animals they used it on their, um, their lifespans extended, like four times, but that not only were their lifespans extended, they looked four times younger. So they were four times older than the way they were supposed to look. And they looked like, let's say they were supposed to live to be three months old, right? They'd live to be 12 months old and they'd look like they were, you know, two and a half months old. Like it was, and I noticed that not a single solitary skincare product I had had melatonin in it. And I was like, that's weird because it's one of like, a few things that have been proven to actually reverse aging. So I put melatonin in both my, in all my skincare and then I started using it and like the bags and rides are completely gone. My psoriasis is totally cured and my acne is totally gone. So I had to bring them to the market. I brought them to the market last November and they've already been covered by Teen Vogue and Women's Day and Healthline wrote like a whole article on, how they help psoriasis. And so it's been awesome. I also have a breast enhancement oil that I used that I developed for myself and then wrote a blog post on and had enough emails of people going like, please, oh, please, oh, please make this available. That that was the first product I created. And then once I saw that there was a need for the face oils as well, like that, you know, we've created the whole line around, you know, needs that started out as my needs that it turns out a lot of people actually have a use for. So, so you said a breast enhancement oil? Yeah, yeah, breast enhancement oil. It works on your butt and your lips, too. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah that's going to be a big a big thing on this show. I'm sure everybody yeah. that's listening is like, wait, what? Breast enhancement <laughs> It's oil? our bestseller uh, for good reason. We also have a 90-day money-back guarantee, but we have a 0% return rate. That's not saying we don't have anyone who returns, but as far as our... Um, our acquisition versus return rate, it's literally at 0%. Wow, awesome. We really don't have that many people who it doesn't work for. And the, like, two returns we've ever gotten is because people were allergic to one of the ingredients. So um, it's not that, that, you know, it really, really works. It worked for for me, and I have always had A-cups. And so when I went up two cup sizes, I was like, I gotta write a blog post about this. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. No. Well, I'm very excited. I'll have to look into that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, me and my A cups, you know, so (laughs) I mean, I love I love myself, you know, but it's great to think of natural things like that because I don't want I don't want breast implants and that works for people and that's fine, you know, but for me, that's personally not my not what I want to do. So it's great to know that there's something out there that's natural and that's healthy. Yeah, and it's great because, like, mine got too big. First, I had to stop using it as much as I was because it was like, yeah, I'd always had, like, A cups, and then they got to, like, almost C's, and I was just like, this is not comfortable. I can't run. I can't sleep. Like, I can't do anything. It's crazy. Be careful what you wish for. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So I'm glad I didn't get implants because I was just like, wow, I would be so annoyed at myself. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool, too, because it's like you just don't use it as much, and then, like, but because the oil 
um, lifts and help, you know, it like helps with stretch marks and everything. So like if they do change sizes, you don't have like stretch marks or I don't have stretch marks from them going, um, back down a little bit. So I'm just, it's been remarkable to me to hear people's testimonies and see if we have before and after photos on our, on our website that are just totally blown me away. That's super cool. What's your website or what's the name of your skincare line? Um, my skincare is called genetics with an X. So it's geneticsorganic.com. Cool. Awesome. And what are your top three beauty biohacks? I like to ask people this question, and I definitely want to ask you because I think you've got some really good ones. So top three beauty biohacks. So um, serums. Like, I don't mean to use this as a plug. Even if I did, I've been saying this for years and years and years before I came out with serums myself, but that's a huge part of the reason why I wanted to make them serums and not oils because serums, um, like my serums, for instance, have hyaluronic acid in them as well as oils and herbs that, really support your skin. And I just feel like it's uh, so many people have dry skin and don't, I mean, we all have dry skin. It was depending on where you live too. And it's the summer and like, you just should be moisturizing 24 <laughs> seven. Um, and I, men too, like I'm always just slathering my male friends, like faces with stuff and toning them and <laughs> they're lucky. Making sure they got their <laughs> skin going on. And also don't forget your neck. Like And there's like, you know, moisturizing your neck and right above your eyes, like places where we age and we don't even really realize until it starts happening. Totally. Those are the places I recommend you kind of do the most water and tea all day long. And like, if you can just do spices instead of like, um, anything with caffeine, that's always my fave. So the tea that I make is just like cacao, ginger, turmeric, um, cinnamon maples a little bit of maple syrup for sweetening and like some coconut milk Ooh, that so I, i'm not there's no caffeine there's no because caffeine like kills your skin i mean it's so 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 bad it's so dehydrating it's a diuretic so it's like literally trying to flush out every all the water in your body mm-hmm. is point of caffeine mm-hmm. so definitely especially if you find yourself drinking coffee try to drink more tea or replace it with something like ticino and then supplements. So I tell every single woman in the world should be taking DIM, D-I-M, um, especially if you have um, hormonal problems or acne because it's an estrogen balancer. So no matter what, if you have too much estrogen, too little, too much testosterone, whatever, it it basically just goes into your body and figures out what's going on and then it will regulate your estrogen and balance out your skin and it's cured my acne. I used to have really terrible cystic acne and other than serums, DIM has been like the big game changer. So I recommend everyone in the world take DIM and if you have any um, other skin issues or any fertility issues, I would look into Vitex. It's one of my other favorite herbs for skin. It just makes your skin really glowy and it's, it's a feminine herb because it just kind of beautifies all your feminine parts. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds yeah. fun. I like that. Cool. Very cool. Well, where can people find you? Oh, so they can find me at uh, Tara A. Mackey on social media, theorganiclifeblog.com, and they can find the book at wildhabitsbook.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. This was an amazing interview. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me, girl. I really appreciate it. I love talking to you. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. 
And I really encourage you to share it. Share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. Share it with a stranger. I share my podcast with strangers all the time. So please feel free. And just know that it could be something that helps somebody out or it might be a game changer for them. And also, if you can please rate the podcast, that would be awesome. Five stars is really nice. Um, And the thing is, it helps me to get really amazing guests on the show that have wisdom and knowledge to offer us and to share with the world. So please rate it and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much again for listening to this show, for being a supporter, and for all of your awesome energy. I appreciate you listeners so much. I am so grateful from the bottom of my heart for each and every one of you, and I hope you have an amazing week.